Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you can learn something new and expand what you already know and change your perspective on something, especially in music, that's the biggest piece of momentum anyone can have. I think that's a big thing that artists need to do. They just be honest with what they're going through, saying, you know what, I could write a song about this. It's definitely something that's helped me find my way to myself. It's been really nice to be able to like connect with people and get this immediate feedback reaction. Life is busy, but there's always time for music. Hey everybody, what's up, what's happening? You're listening to On Rotation, the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is David, I'll be your host and lovely guide. Hookup culture looks a little bit different these days. At least, that's what them fantasies are talking about with their lead single off their debut album, Caffeine Queen. I actually got a chance to sit down with the band's members and talk about their latest work as well as what's in store for this indie rock band looking to make a name for themselves in Los Angeles. And then later, we'll have an intimate talk about music with aspiring artist Jake Roy when we'll cover some of our musical connections, aspirations, and inspirations. All right, Them Fantasies. What can we talk about with Them Fantasies? Well, I think the first thing I want to bring up is what is the sauce that you guys put in literally everything? (laughs) Well, let's see here. It was, uh, I believe the first person to use the term, I think, was Gucci Mane, actually. (laughs) Um, And it's like we've adapted it to be like, you know, it's the sauce is kind of like the the uniqueness and like the the kind of... uh, the sweetness that I think that we add to things in terms of like, whether it be because we're all like proficiently trained, you know, session musicians and stuff like whether that be like, maybe complexity on an instrument served in like a nice little soothing way with a chaser or something like that. The sauce is essentially just something that sets us apart, sonically, harmonically, rhythmically, whatever it is. So we like to emphasize that we got some sauce to differentiate us from other bands. Same thing as like sprinkles on top or like spice, you know, the salt day, you know, Gotcha. It's like the final touch, you would say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> you gonna do the Salt Bay thing for your TikToks? Oh, sure maybe. We yeah, we, we could. We we can't sprinkle salt though. We would need something else to sprinkle. Like uh, tahini. Tahini. Yeah, we we'll use uh, tahini. Here in LA, we can sprinkle some tahini. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Got some ideas for content there. Yeah. And um, I noticed in your bio too that Dom and Eric specifically, you mentioned how you had different musical backgrounds when you were starting to get together and form this band. 
So how are you able to kind of come together and blend the different styles that you guys like? Well, uh, we usually, it, it, I think it kind of comes in between like whether or not, like we, we'll have some different like chords and things. We'll, we'll start writing together and we'll both come up with, you know, kind of like chord progressions. And Eric, you know, is a jazz player. So everything he really touches on the guitar, you can tell he, he's come from like a little bit more training. I'm not really interested in putting power chords yeah, in the yeah. mix. I like, yeah. I like my nice chords with tensions and stuff, but we both come from like, like I come from jazz and a blues background. Dom comes from like grunge and nineties rock. Mm. And so both are like, you know, kind of not just diatonic. Like we, we can find similarities within the music that we like. And a lot of it has to do with like interesting harmony, um, and interesting rhythms. So that's something that like we grasped onto early on as a writing duo. And yeah so and we've been mixing those rock, rock roots more recently been mixing them with a lot of, of funk and and, and yeah. pop uh, influences for sure cool that's awesome yeah. so would you say uh eric would you say like you said more like classic rock like indie that kind of realm is where you're from yeah i grew up on classic rock like 100 percent. and then as i got to berkeley and you know dominize music tastes collided we showed each other a bunch of stuff we got more interested in more modern forms of music as well, like modern funk, modern indie rock is a big influence on us now, and obviously funk and stuff. Yeah, yeah. What about you, um, Max? What would you say? Man, I'm like I kind of came halfway between the two of them because I grew up a lot of like indie rock. Like big bands for me were like Young the Giant, Cold War Kids, like even smaller bands like Surfer Blood. Um, but I also have a jazz background, like Eric, and I obsessed over like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and yeah. all the older kind of funk as well. So it, I can fit kind of nice where somewhere in the middle between these two. Yeah. And I know what they're both talking about, which is the, <laughs> the biggest advantage. Yeah, it's important when you guys are coming together. Yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. And um, when I was listening to your music, Dom, you're the lead singer, right? Just to clarify. Yeah. I don't know if anyone yeah. has ever told you this, but um, have you gotten comparisons to Patrick Stump from Fall Out Boy? I, I have. I've gotten that in, okay. in Brandon Yuri a lot from Panic. That's, that that's literally the two exact people that I thought of too when I was listening to you guys. Oh, yeah. I was like, I, I hope that's a compliment for you. No, it is. I, I like both of their voices. So that's it's definitely good to hear. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah, I literally, I texted a friend who likes Fall Out Boy and I go, do you think he sounds like, she's like, yeah, he does. And I was like, that's what I thought. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> had to fact check real quick. Yeah, had to fact check. Um, and another band that I kind of noticed too with one of your songs specifically also called Them Fantasies. You guys kind of had a little bit of like a reggae vibe in a band that I thought of specifically when I heard that was No Doubt. Would you say that's another well, band yeah. that's influenced you? I, I think we feel No Doubt's influence through 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 other bands. I, I don't think we necessarily get that directly from the source. But um, we like know, Scott. Yeah, Scott's definitely fun. I'm a Scott boy. Yeah. Sure. And Dom and I, are, we're very into reggae. We listen and play a lot of reggae. Yeah. Actually. So that that's definitely an influence that doesn't come out as much in our style of music. But every once in a while, you will hear it. Yeah, especially have fun just like jamming on it. Yeah, like, exactly. And we both yeah. played a little bit at school. Dom played a lot more at school than me. Learning well, about you played. Like, I was gonna say you played like reggae at school. Yeah, yeah. I was in. We're both of us were in. We we're in different classes, but in a in a reggae dub ensemble. So we learned a lot of a lot of things. You know, when when people are getting into reggae, you know, they usually start with Bob Marley, which is great. But like we we learned past a lot of that you know got into some really cool bands like the tamlins and groundation and you know other reggae and other other people that are coming out of kingston which was really really nice yeah. to learn you know learn learn it from a different source besides bob marley you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah 
No, that's cool. Like there's so much, I feel like there's so much culture behind reggae music and all that stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That's so cool. I didn't know you guys had reggae courses at Berkeley. Yeah. yeah, it was. It, they were electives. They were, I wouldn't change it for the world. The 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 groove is just so different than uh, a lot of uh, Western music, you know, that we listen to here, and and the meter and feel is just in, it's entirely flipped upside down, which is really intriguing. I it think. was super hard for me to learn because like fundamentally, like Dom hangs like behind my like. So I'm laying down like a foundation of a groove. But Dom like is like dragging behind. And yeah. Like, it fits together like a jigsaw, and I'm very used to being both of us like very very on tight. It. Yeah. 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 And the bass player of that was uh, or the, the leader. Yeah, our teacher, yeah. our teacher kicked my ass. He was a, he was a bass player from from Trinidad. Oh, yeah. cool. Winston, Winston uh, his name was Macau. Yeah, Macau. Winston Macau. He's a great teacher. Yeah. Great jazz player too. Awesome. That's sick. Wow, that's that's really, really cool. And I noticed you guys put out a video earlier this year for your song Hookup Culture. And you talked about it having like the twist with the whole pandemic and just showcasing dating during COVID and whatnot. How did you try to like take those themes with the pandemic and put them into the video? Like what did you try to do specifically to show that? That video was a process. Yeah, I mean, that was a nightmare. We started it. It was Emerson Dunn. We did it with uh, Chandler Jenkins, who's like kind of a head producer. But that song came out on our album that came out like two years ago, and we had plans with them and everything to do a different music video, like a, a kind of a different concept that was more based around like partying and like the hookup culture at like college parties. Mm-hmm. And we had to scrap that when COVID came because we we're not going to get a party. Have yeah. forty people in a room to shoot a music video, so we had to scrap that entire idea. And we were like, well, you know what? Like, you guys are still willing to work with us. We still want to make this. Let's make it relevant. Let's make it about trying to date in COVID. You know, the people can be wearing masks. It's a little bit difficult for the actors because they, they have to show a lot of I facial expression. features without using their mouth, which is mm-hmm. pretty difficult. But you got to be very yeah, expressive. Yeah. Had, to, had to overcome and adapt. But it was a good process throughout the video. I mean, we shot it all in like a weekend a weekend and it was a long day i mean we we had three locations we're in boston rooftop park and then your guys apartment, old apartment yeah. and we just were trying to go like okay dating is weird during the pandemic because that was like when after the first wave so we we're thinking things are gonna get like, a little bit better like oh man mm, right. we don't even know if masks will be relevant when we put out this video <laughs> so like <laughs> ended up being yeah. real, it's like look where we are <laughs> yeah exactly so it was fun kind of being like, okay, we're either, I mean, it wasn't fun, but it, what, it, what it came down to was we're either going to scrap this video and this opportunity to work with these people, um, or we're going to do something that works, you know? So mm-hmm. it was really nice kind of being like, you know, guys, like, you know, I still really want to do the video. We should still do this. We just have to adapt and overcome. And I feel like that's so prevalent to like so many other things besides just filming that video, you know, not even just the pandemic. It's like, you just, it comes down to just like not really taking no for an answer, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and that was, it ended up proving really nice for us to get a video out of it and learn, got some great friends and connections that are also actors. Got us used to being in, in a, under a camera as well. Yeah. Like, mm. cause we've just been filming ourselves so much recently. Yeah. Like, and that, like that was kind of the start of it. Really. Exactly. And yeah. since then we've been, been able to find some cool success on TikToks and making a bunch of camera, you know content and things like that so it's we've definitely gotten a lot more comfortable gotten these guys up to speed and everything yeah awesome yeah for sure definitely that presence is important for you guys building your brand um and something else with the video that i wanted to bring up is that you know it does reflect like the times that we're in and i think that was your intention with it do you try to reflect the times in your music and is it important for you guys to do that 
I think for, for hookup culture, I mean, because we didn't originally plan on doing it based around the pandemic. It just happened. The concept of the song was able to make sense during the pandemic. It's more not necessarily commenting on the times, but like our times, like our what is happening in our lives presently and whether or not that pertains to like other world events happening. I don't necessarily think that one was specifically intended, but there, there are times that we do, like we have a song called nothing but the screen that was definitely like, all right, we're going to comment on people's use of technology and their phones in this generation, you know, this year. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, a lot of art, you know, whether or not we, we intend for it to be, be a sign of the times or not. A lot of the times it is, you know, mm -hmm. like even if you don't try to date it, even if you try to make something timeless, it's always going to be a reflection of what culture is like right then, you know, not even just in our medium and in, in other mediums as well. Yeah. Cause we're grabbing influences from everyday life as well as, you know, our musical influences and that's, that's going to show up in our writing, whether it's, you know, subconscious or subconsciously. Yeah. And what other topics do you guys typically find yourselves covering in your music? You mentioned technology a little bit. Yeah, that was a little more of a one-off, I think. We, maybe we'll do it again. I don't know. I mean, an upcoming release is like, you know, these we got a batch of songs coming up. And I think we've found, we've been talking more about, like, kind of internally about how we feel opposed to how other people feel, in a sense. At least two big songs for the next one is like, one is about our relationship with home and how it's been kind of weird since we've, we all left our hometowns, went to Boston, which is relatively far away from me. And Dom, pretty far away for Eric. I mean, he can drive there. In a sense, he's just New Englander. But um, we also, we've just been trying to deal with themes of like home and then our interpersonal relationships with our friends. But we also have themes of like relationships between two friends as well. So everything we're trying to write is from our perspective, at least in this kind of state that we're in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of it also stems from like, you know, something that all the three of us have really wanted to work on, especially for this next upcoming releases you know harder and stronger like lyrics and lyric chops and things like that concepts in general yeah more uniting overall exactly so and i find personally it's a little easier to really dive in deep when it's something a little more personal to you mm -hmm. you know so so you know it's always going to be a journey we're always going to be writing different stuff but as of right now we're really kind of looking into ourselves i think and i really like where it's going sounds very introspective of you guys <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that too. Like the personal component, if you can reach that within yourselves, it'll show in your audience members. Like they'll come back and they'll feel the same way. Of course. And if you strike on something personal yourself, you know, we're, we, you know, we have problems, but like a lot of them are not very unique problems. You know, a lot of other people will feel those things too. You know, a lot of other people have the issue of going back home after school or after you move to a new city, going back to your hometown, seeing everything's different, seeing that it doesn't feel like home anymore. You know, that's not a, a unique problem to us. You know, that's something that I, I think a lot of people can relate to. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. One song I want to ask you about specifically that I saw you mention a little bit in, I think, on your website is the song Acid Anna. And you kind of talked about it as putting you guys out of your comfort zone. And it sounds like maybe that changed your trajectory or your style as a band. Would you agree with that? Or was there something else with that song that kind of was a big moment for you guys? Musically or lyrically, because they're both pretty interesting moments for us. We, you know, musically, that was the first song that we decided to experiment with more like electronic drums and more aspects of the production. You know, we stopped writing. And for that song, we wrote the song with our instrumental parts and then with lyrics. And it really came alive in the studio and we started to realize there's a lot that we can add that will enhance our music that is not necessarily us putting more music into the song. It's production aspects. Yeah. So that, that was, as far as musically, that was pretty big. 
lyrically it was it was a little more interesting we you know no no hold i'm not gonna hold any bars back you know we definitely wrote that after a a trip in the uh in the boston commons you know yeah. uh and i don't i don't really know if i want to go there lyrically again it was very, it was nice and it was fun doing it but to me that song means a little more musically i think to me at least you know that that I think we really found a new kind of production yeah. mm -hmm. sense in that, and it's definitely something that you'll hear on our next batch of songs um, that you will you will hear a lot more of. Yeah, I think I think lyrically it's it's a fun song. We definitely took the experience that we had and wrote about it. Yeah, um, it's not an everyday experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah, <laughs> if you could just tell by the name, it's not an everyday experience. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> we we weren't very subtle with that one. And we were just having fun at the end of the day too. So some of those songs on Caffeine Queen, you know, we're just a lot of, some of those we wrote when we were you 18, know, 18 years, years old, old 19, yeah. our mm. freshman year, and they they got released, you know, two three years later. And we were a lot of the time looking back on it, we're very much so different writers than we were then. Mm. And we're we were just having some fun, you know. We love the songs, but we're we're progressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the thing. <laughs> for sure and you guys have also been on a few tours i noticed as well including one in spain when you guys were shooting abroad like that's pretty cool well first let me ask was that the first time which one was your first tour that you went on in boston or in the u.s yeah we were we were playing around different places in spain i think before we did our more diy ones gotcha. the midwest and the south they were they were a lot of fun all of them were were very very different experiences the, the I think the the most fun I had on there they're just so different you know the Spanish ones were a little more put together and we played for more people and there were more people kind of interested in what we were doing so that's really gratifying but the other DIY ones you know we're just playing venues of you know under twenty people and and, and sleeping on the floor sleeping on the floor yeah <laughs> putting in groundwork you know, that you know I wouldn't the trade. classic like early musician like right yeah eating bread every yeah. day barely yeah. but it was fun too it's yeah like, it's kind of grimy and dirty and like you're sleeping in weird places you're not sleeping max is like i would go back any day guys come on yeah. <laughs> max is waiting to do another diy tour to for us to barely cut even yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, did it did it feel different or like i would say more personal being in the boston area because that's kind of where you guys came up and started Oh, definitely. I mean, it definitely uh, was easier for us to have shows and get more people out. So in that way, you know, playing music, not only for more people, but for more people in the audience that we personally knew, it definitely felt more personally. Like when we were on tour, we play for people that, you know, they showed up to our gig and they don't live in our town. We don't know who they are. There were a few people that did that. That was some of the more gratifying parts of that tour. We're meeting people. Hey, I saw you on Spotify. We liked what you did. So we came out, you know, and that was that was really fun. And it was really cool to see that. It was really cool to see that. Yeah. But you're like, act, people are listening to us. That's sick. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But Boston will always have a, a place in, in our hearts. I'm from New England, so it'll always have a place in my heart. Yeah. Boston's definitely our, our personal city for us, I think. Yeah, it's weird because it's like we we are totally all from different places. He's the only one from New England. Eric is. Mm -hmm. So, like, we, we met in Boston, started playing in Boston. But we also, it's like, it's because it's we went to school there. You know, it wouldn't be any other reason besides us going to school there. So, it's it's weird. We're kind of... You know, now we're in a different city now here in Los Angeles, and it's like, it's weird. It's like, where where are we from? You know, where, where are we, what are we doing? I don't, I don't feel yeah. like we're, like, yeah. I don't know, I feel like we're from, like, school. Like, yeah, school it's weird. We don't, like, yeah. Boston, Boston makes like sense. Hometown, it it makes, makes the most sense. sense, I think. Yeah, it makes the most sense. 
it was like the starting point for you guys yeah yeah that's like eric's home you know so so it's it's definitely a little more personal there of course you know but for us, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, we're we're from nowhere, I guess. You know? <laughs> I'm from Columbus, Ohio, home of the Four Loco. Columbus, you said? Columbus, Columbus yeah. I didn't know that was the home of the Four Loco. I want to go there. Invented there. It's the perfect drink for any occasion. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I mean, When it first started, it had all that caffeine, too. People were dying. Yeah, oh. but mentioning, like, L.A. now, why did you guys decide to relocate there? lot of reasons yeah there's a lot of reasons for me i mean i have some family members out here both my cousin and my aunt live out here you've got some family in southern california as well but also the the scene out here is is just far i think for at least for what we do in the direction that we're going with more funk and alternative pop influence with our rock um is definitely la it seems like kind of this the place where we can kind of really express ourselves in that scene there's a lot of connections out here uh about half of our whole school basically moves out here. So we came to LA and immediately had 50, 100 people that we know, people that we can work with, people that we know will show up to our shows and we'll show up to theirs. Wow. We, can't, we basically have a built-in community already there before we even showed up. Showed up. So yeah. that was pretty nice. Uh, also, like not to rip on Boston because we love Boston, but the music scene definitely doesn't really have what we were looking for at a certain point. No way. Yeah. There's a lack of mid-range venues and stuff that make it impossible to go from like 150, 200 cap to like, 500 mm-hmm. uh and the with the, the college scene and whatnot it's, it's very difficult to get you know past a certain level i think in boston alone maybe maybe yeah. that was just our experience but la will probably be much better to us yeah la still you know has its its fair share of, of of scummy promoters of course but in boston especially around the berkeley scene i, I i'm not going to name any specific venues or anything but there are some scum of the earth promoters that are like oh you're going to play this place for free you're gonna do. You're gonna sell this many tickets before, and if you don't, you're gonna pay for it. Like, or if you, know, you don't, you're a Berkeley kid, and every other Berkeley kid wants a gig, so you're. Expensive. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of competition in that sense, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a pretty saturated music scene in Boston, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And that's like an interesting concept, Dom, that you brought up, like the paying. Like, if you can't afford it, well, you're still gonna pay, or like you're not gonna get paid. Like, it's kind of like new money versus old money in a way, exactly. like West Coast versus East Coast. Yeah. There's still, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are plenty of venues that we will probably play that have promoters like that, you know what I mean? But like, at at the end of the day, in Boston, it was just kind of relentless, we found, uh, and it definitely was did not have what we were looking for. A lot of the venues closed, you know, even way before the yeah, pandemic. It's even worse during the pandemic now. Mm-hmm. But, there's, just, there's just so much opportunity here in LA, you know, everyone yeah. out here is an artist in some shape or form. We've already met so many new friends too through our through our TikTok that we're collaborating with people both here and also in in Melbourne and, and oh wow uh, and yeah. somebody just moved to Israel now that we're gonna that we're gonna collaborate with too as well. Cool, 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 cool. Sounds awesome. Got a lot of things going on for you. Yeah, starting to pick up a little bit, so it's it feels very nice. That's cool. I want to talk about um your debut album. And you guys got a lot of praise for it, from what I noticed. Like you had a lot of different press features. One of them was from V Magazine, and they called your music, or they said that your music gets you up and vibing while simultaneously reminiscing on your past loves. Um, this other blog said that you guys have this uncanny ability to delve into a world of your own. Another publication said you guys have an unquenchable aroma of jazz and hints of pop. Like, that's a that's a lot. Like, what what was your reaction to that kind of praise? Like, that's really awesome. 
I mean that that was our first uh, that was our first release that we were you know very happy with. We released uh, an earlier EP like way back in 2018, and it was just kind of our first thing we put out, and we grew a lot after that. So we put a lot of time. A lot of these songs on on our debut album had been written for a year, if not for two years, before we released it. So we were very proud of the work, and it definitely was nice to have people corroborate our our happiness with our own our own work with that. So it was definitely. An ego boost to hear, yeah, for sure. Nice, nice people to say nice things like that. We we definitely have a lot of a lot of influences, I think. So it's cool that those things can be recognized, you know, because we take a lot of pride in how much different music we listen to and how, what we try to put in to make something kind of cohesive, you know. So it's cool to hear those things. Yeah, for sure. I was impressed reading them. I'll say I was very impressed. I was like, wow, they, I was like, they got some really cool things going on here. What was it like working with your producer? Because you also mentioned him by name and how, you know, that helped with your styles. Um, I believe his name is Nick Smith on your on your debut album, Caffeine Queen. So what was it like working with him? Well, we live with him now. We live yeah, with him. Yeah, now. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Is he going to walk in and be like, what are you talking about me? <laughs> yeah, right. No, he, he, left. He, he had to go. He had to go uh, on a soul searching mission at Starbucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Got to get those but, refreshers. Uh, yeah, it was, it was deep, deep soul diving. But um. <laughs> We really, really like working with him because he has just a such such a great, sensible knowledge of actually a lot of EDM and house music, and also as well as like very contemporary pop music. So R&B. and R and B as well. But as a produ- as a producing standpoint, we really like how he can take our songs and just have so many different production elements that will make it sound so so contemporary in ways that we wouldn't be able to make ourselves. I don't think without without just playing acoustic instruments, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's definitely important for us because we know that, like, unfortunately, the word rock sometimes can have a boomer meaning. And a lot of times, in a lot of bands that we've played with, we've worked with, we've listened to, the music is great, but the mix itself and the way it sounds doesn't sound like it's from 2020. It sounds like it's a little bit older. And we wanted our our music to be reflective of our current current times. And, And so we wanted to bring our style of rock and, and funk and all pop with modern production and modern production a lot of times is influenced by EDM and, and pop music. Mm. So having him with that just adds another element to our music that, that we think takes it to a whole nother level. Cool. And we've definitely touched upon this a little bit throughout our talk, but how have you been able to stay positive about music and putting out music during the pandemic? Like it's been tough as you guys have mentioned. Well, I, I think the ne- this next batch of songs that we actually haven't really announced that we're doing yet. So this is one of the first we've, we've really okay. told people. But uh, this next batch of, of a bunch of singles and an EP, uh, we, I think we really believe in it. I, I think we really, really believe in the progress that we've made as songwriters, even since Caffeine Queen. You know, what, what you know, you're, you've been listening to and what other people can listen to. You know, I, I we're really, really stoked to put out a new kind of era of, of the band and, and our brand and everything. So I think that's kind of what keeps us really positive about it, knowing that there's more and better things that have to come. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, it's not going to be forever until live shows come back up. You know, we're at, at our core. We are performers. Yeah. We love playing live. That's where I think we shine best at a yep. live show. And we know that, you know, it's not like last summer where it's indefinite. We don't know. Like we know. Two, two to three to four months. We're it's just around the corner. We're gonna get there. We still gotta hold on a, f- a little bit longer, but we're gonna get there. I mean, that's a big reason. Also, why we started doing so many TikToks too. It's like it's putting our creative energy that we would be putting in our live show into a different means, and we've been really working on like 
being in front of a camera, taking takes, tracking, recording, things that are transferable to other parts of us and, and relatively transferable to a live show. But, mm-hmm. like, that's how we've been staying positive. And we can still get fatigued from TikToks. So oh, yeah. You know, burnout is very easy. Yeah, on that. Yeah. Each one takes, like, sometimes eight hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, especially yeah. when we're just kind of figuring out our process, it was taking days. Like, but now we do three a week. We can knock them out quicker. It still took a lot of work. I mean, we have to arrange the TikTok, then we get it into the box, and then Dom makes yeah. it. Like, and then edit the video. Edit the video, yeah. And, and one last thing on the on the positivity thing, I, I really think that uh, making honestly making us making TikToks, we we have a it's definitely the best our social media has ever been, you know, mm-hmm. in the history of this band. And uh, because of that, we've found some a lot of new fans, you know, and a lot of new people that DM us or want to collaborate with us or ask to buy our merch and things like that. So it's just it's very very refreshing knowing, hey. These guys like what we do. These are new people that we wouldn't have found yeah. without TikTok, you know. And so it's it's very very gratifying, and only up from here, you know. Like yeah. we watch a lot of shonen anime, which means you gotta go up, you know. Oh, you take everything up, you well, know. Me and Dom do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a freaking anime nerd, dude. So shonen mentality in the band, dude. You bring it up with your friends. <laughs> I'm just like generating ideas for a whole other segment we could do, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, we're here for it, man. For it. Totally cool. Always down for that. Um, what kind of details can you give about this project you have coming up? Like you said, you just you just starting to talk about it with me, but is there anything more you want to share or most details kind of under wraps? We've got five new songs that are we've got more than that, but we've got five songs that are we're gonna be releasing. Uh we're currently in the production process, so they're recorded, we're working on producing them. We've got probably a few more months before we're ready to like fully release and we gotta do a whole release strategy and stuff like that. But hopefully around the turn of spring to summer, we're gonna start releasing stuff every month. And it's a single driven market nowadays, you know, and mm-hmm. you're in, in twenty twenty one. So Rather than us releasing, I think, a full album like Caffeine Queen, I, I think that people that find us, find our music, listen to us, like what we do, they'll, they'll be able to go back and, and listen to our album, you know, for a long time. You know, that's going to stay up, you know, that won't go anywhere. So they can dive into that there. But right, like Eric was saying, you know, we're in production right now. Um, we'll be releasing probably about a single a month until the EP is, is out. And uh, should be starting here pretty soon. So keep on the lookout. Awesome. Congrats, guys. That's big news. That's awesome that you guys have it coming out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Like, I appreciate you guys making time for this. I guess one last thing I want to ask you is how did you come up with the band name? <laughs> we, uh, we, yeah, yeah it's so true. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, what ended up happening was them fantasies was taken uh, from a lyric that we had while we were driving on the uh, on the T, the Boston. the Boston public transit. Um, Shout out Green Line. Yeah, and the Green Line. <laughs> um, we, were, we were just talking about like kind of like almost like lucid dreaming a little bit. We had had we had had a night before, you know. We had had a, had a long day. Uh, and one of the lyrics in the song "Them Fantasies" is, you know, these fantasies aren't anything new. Them fantasies ain't nothing new. So we were just like, oh, you know, that sounds cool. Let's let's use it, you know. So we we took the the name from the song. We were actually under a different band name when when we wrote the song "Them Fantasies." That was like probably oh, cool. One of the- we ever wrote back when we were freshmen or we eighteen, and that song was about you know that experience. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, 
little bit. The unnamed. <laughs> that was their first drummer too, because I'm actually technically their third drummer. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. But I've like it, it's a it, their first drummer was under a different name their freshman year, and then I subbed as a drummer in Spain because their their new drummer Steven, shout out, good dude, um, could not make it to Spain. So I, that's how I got to know these guys. I didn't really know them at all until I was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wasn't in the band for a bit, and then I hopped back into the band later on. He got better. He had shown in mentality, so yeah, he, he, he did the drums. Again. Yeah. Now he does business. Now he does HR. Now you guys have yes, him exactly. <laughs> Only up from here. Yeah. <laughs> a man of many hats, we'll say. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah my best. But yeah, that, that's kind of the history of the of the band name. It's, we've been under that name since 2017. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you guys again. I really appreciate y'all coming on and talking about them fantasies and everything else you got going on. It sounds like you guys are in a good place. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're definitely planning this this uh, marketing strategy, looking into some some PR companies to, to be able to help us out on a very not independent release. <laughs> uh, and so so hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see some more people listen to our stuff and we're super excited. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you're obviously like you are a, a big music guy, would you say? Like you're pretty into making music, listening to music. Yeah, it, from my early childhood, even um, music has been like a huge part of my life. So I always, I guess, like kind of wandered towards it. I didn't, I guess, intentionally go towards it, but yeah, it's a it's a huge part of my life through all of um, my time in grade school, at least as well as into um, college for a bit. But my dad was huge. Um, He was a big musician, um, had his own band before I was born and everything, and then worked on to, he tried working on being a solo musician. He wanted to basically play all his own instruments, do his own thing before, you know, like big mixing equipment was around. So he was actually like going through recording himself, trying to like do all this stuff before, you know, technology kind of outran him in some sense too but that was a huge influence on everything just like basically towards the trajectory where I was going anyways because once I got to high school I started doing and it it's kind of funny to compare to where I am now but going into high school you know I was I was following I wanted to be an actor wanted Mm -hmm. to jump in so I wanted to like get all the aspects of it so I ended up like joining chorus and everything but ended up getting involved in acapella and like doing all these other things. And then on the side began, I learned how to beatbox. I learned how to um, basically do all these like crazy side things. I, I can um, sing. It's like this vocal fry thing that I spent years like trying to learn where it's like this like throat bass type thing. And you can do all sorts of things. Kind of like a one of those uh, didgeridoos. There we go. I was going to say, I it's haven't kinda... heard of that. But as soon as you said throat thing, I instantly thought yeah. of like a didgeridoo. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So like basically from there, you know, like making different sounds with my with my voice and using that in acapella as I, you know, went through middle school um, into high school and everything. And I was in a group at uh, Denver's High School in Massachusetts and it was 2015 and we had gone into, so uh, Pitch Perfect 
uh, the movie there, the competition that they do. Oh, great, great. I'm loving this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, like, that's the college version, um, in a sense, of the competition that my high school group did. Um, gotcha. And it's called the ICHSA, or the International um, Championship of High School Acapella. And then there's the ICCA, which is um, International Collegiate Championship of Acapella. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of different places. Um, but the um, ICCA has even um, groups from like the UK and everything too. And it's all from all over the United States and everything. And my group ended up placing third place at finals during the ICCA HSA in 2015. And uh, it, it was phenomenal. It was one of the coolest things <laughs> that had ever happened. But basically from there, we had, you know, I had become a point base. And basically I was the only, the only base in the group Mm-hmm. who held a mic so i ended up you know holding an entire section on my own and everything and i'd never really you know delved too deep into you know the solo atmosphere like i've always kind of been in the background like i always had right. like a a background kind of aspect of like playing a huge like heavy supportive figure and even in like acting and then getting involved with something else like video work you know and audio work and stuff involving that too you know just working with different sounds and then involving beatboxing and then now you know in that trajectory trying to kind of almost flip it and do something entirely different mm-hmm. whereas now I am out of school I'm out of everything I'm no longer in a group that's doing like anything big musically and I'm kind of on my own and since I've been like a very vocal sort of I guess focused person mm-hmm. now I'm kind of thinking like where do I go from here <laughs> because yeah. how do I do something on that's not a supportive role yeah so now so then jumping into something like rap which is completely almost like a 180 to what I'm like used to on the theater kid acapella you know it's like almost like the total opposite spectrum it seems on the music scene at least in style and how it's perceived and how the I guess like the atmosphere and the fear the feels and vibes of it I mean like just just rap not like Mm -hmm. too much into like R&B or something like that but yeah you know you got crossover here and there but that's kind of where you know that that's the whole gigantic massive circle (laughs) of uh everything (laughs) where it comes back would you Um, say that there was a specific like turning point or instance that you met where you kind of had that realization of going more like in that solo route, like you said, because, you know, being with all those groups, you said it's hard to make that transition to being, you know, a solo, whatever artist, writer, insert your variable. (laughs) Was there anything specific that kind of like made you, you know, say, I do want to go in this direction? I don't know if there was anything specific, but I think one of the, one of the biggest things was, basically not being in college anymore, I think, and being in a place in an environment where, you know, you have a lot of people around you and it's very like the atmosphere is very like social learning and you can kind of adapt and, you know, you can choose what you want out of, out of college, you know, you can go for it for entirely the social aspect or you can go for it for, you know, that learning aspect or you can take in the both. And I think for something like music, you have to take in the both. 
mm-hmm. and it's like you have that ability to kind of blend in with other people and and even through high school and everything but then you're suddenly like I'm suddenly at a point where that just like kind of disappeared and you know I I work with people and I work in a community and everything like that but you know it's a very different like field than a bunch of you know theater and acapella like people the same age as me or something or even in like a grade school or something you know we're talking mm-hmm. all people's a different life and different things so it's like you're kind is of it, forced into a world where you're on your own yeah is it more like independent you would say Def- definitely for sure yeah it's like it's a very independent feeling where it's like all of a sudden this you know this this spot that used to be filled with all this like this creative environment and this creative place to be able to create and develop things with others and kind of bounce ideas off each other it's like you know it's a ramped up you know there there's energy going between you guys like there's Mm -hmm. you know you guys are everybody like is kind of in the same headspace and is kind of working towards the same goal and just as motivated as the person next to them so it just it just causes like this domino effect of good energy and positive Mm -hmm. vibes towards creating something good and you know that's really really Like, that's just, you can get a lot done doing that. And you can make a lot of progress as a group and as like, you know, in your sound and your skill and your ability to perform and how you, you know, perform your day-to-day songs and like how you can make that extra leap forward to be that much better, you know? Yeah. So, but when you're stuck and you're on your own, it's kind of, I don't know, it seems it's very different. So it's been a big challenging moment for me and I I kind of had like because I was when I was in college I wasn't studying music either I was studying I was doing film studies and production with a um, minor in photography and Mm -hmm. as much as I love photography and film work and everything it definitely was something that I've been struggling to keep on even as a habit maybe even for the same reasons as I'm talking about for music right now but Mm -hmm. I would say I think like not having a creative outlet anymore that I you know was really drawn towards I think wanted me to try something completely different and out of my you know my own comfort zone so like jumping on to you know something like rap which is completely on the opposite spectrum for myself that was like it was like very uncomfortable idea to do (laughs) right yeah because it and it it always felt that way but I kind of just like was like huh like that's that's really uncomfortable idea like maybe I should do it, you know, and that's always just kind of where I've been at. But it's been a very like, slow, slow journey. And very, very slow. I guess like, you know, we I have a lot of setbacks. And you know, I I grow back again, and make Mm -hmm. more progress. And then you know, something, you know, gets in the way like a writer's block or something. And, you know, I stop for a long period of time. And you know, it, it happens, but it's, and it's a lot more than I'm used to. Cause you don't have like, you don't have someone to bounce off of you and like give you that support of like, you know, cause if one person gets writer's block, there's, you know, in my group, like Falcon eyes in 2015, that was, we had, I think it was 16 people or 17 people. So, you know, and we had a music director as well. And, you know, in, even with the smallest group at uh, Danvers high school that I was in with six people, it was still five other people and a music director, you know, to bounce ideas off of if mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, in the right place, you know, but you don't have that anymore. So you're, so it's like, you're constantly like 
relying on your own motivation to keep you going and yeah. keep the momentum up. Yeah. Where do you, you kind know? of try to get some of those ideas from if you're not with, or if you're not bouncing off of other people? So I bought an Apple watch kind of like the intention of this, but I didn't know how well it was going to go. But honestly, having a recording device that I can easily transmit between my phone and my, my wrist, mm -hmm. just like easily, basically, you know, I, I have a, you know, I work 50 hours a week, so I got to find time where I can jump in and do like a little practice where I'm not like doing, you know, normal day-to-day -day things. So like on my lunch breaks or something, like, you know, I might play beat in my car and then I can play it through my phone, but I can, you know, record myself on something, you know, trying out some sort of piece that I wrote, you know, doing a little mock-up, you know, spitting it out, or maybe I'll try to throw in a little melody in there or something and try to sing something. And, you know, I'll do this over and over and I'll listen back on those and I'll kind of, you know, critique myself over time and like slowly develop a style. And then mm -hmm. when I'm ready, you know, I have something fully written out or I've changed things. I sort of like start to realize pinpoint places where, you know, I know I can improve in spots where things aren't working as well. And it's like, I'm starting to be able to, without feeling too, or being too critical, I guess, of myself, you know, trying to be as constructive as possible, you know, so that way you can be as, I guess, you know, you, you can make the most progress in that, you know, that span of time without getting too frustrated mm -hmm. and killing the, the momentum. Would you say that um, you get stuck in your head a lot? Like, do you overthink it? Oh, definitely. Like all the time. <laughs> Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I think that's yeah, important when terrible. you are creating something that you're so passionate about and that you enjoy, like you're going to critique it no matter what. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like you, you have to critique it, but you have to know, like what what you're critiquing and what that means. Like, because there's there's so many places that you can get just completely trapped in your head and just lost in the moment and, you know, focused on one thing until you just beat it. And it's just like, this simple phrase of beating a dead horse like mm -hmm. you know if you if you beat something so many times and it's just going to sound so overproduced and so overdone and you're going to hate it and then you're going to have no more energy to really dive back into it and then mm -hmm. it's just like all this negative <laughs> associations with it and it's like you hide that project away forever but to play devil's advocate i will say sometimes that's not always the worst thing in the long term i will say when going back to it, like I recently found several recordings that I had done on my mic before I had uh, moved into my current place and uh, saved in my Dropbox somewhere that I completely forgot I recorded. And I remembered that I hated them, absolutely despised them. Mm -hmm. And like, I hadn't touched them in forever for that exact reason. But I remember listening back and that's when, you know, I was able to really pull out the good stuff and really look at it and give it some really good and constructive criticism because I was, I, I almost liked it 10 times better and didn't understand why I hated it before, you know? Yeah. So um, it, it happens. So like getting in your head can be really dangerous. And sometimes you do, you got to like put it down, put it away for a second or like, just like stop yourself from beating that horse. <laughs> yeah. And like take a break from yeah. it and revisit it. And on the contrary of that too, music can also be like super therapeutic and that's something I'm curious to hear your thoughts on too. Like how has music kind of helped you with like things like, you know, mental illness, emotional 
like anxiety, things like that. Like that's probably been a huge factor for you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, music in, in general, just like, I mean, over time, like I really developed my taste. I think I almost started out only strictly listening to, I think country and rock between my, my mom, my stepdad listening to country, my dad listening to strictly classic rock. And I, when I was younger, like I had lived in, on the weekend, on the weekdays with my mom, my stepdad mm. and my siblings. I went to school. I did my extracurriculars, like sometimes till, you know, upwards of between six and nine o'clock at night, I'd be at school. And then uh, on the weekends, I'd go to New Hampshire to my dad. So like I was always back and forth. I I basically had no exposure to hip hop for almost until I had exited middle school, which Honestly, is crazy. Same. <laughs> Honestly, same. <laughs> really? Really? Like, it's wow, it's okay, funny, cool. like how much our parents can like influence that because my parents do. I remember one time I think I was yeah. listening to hip hop and my mom goes, you know, this isn't the type of music that your father and I call music. And I was like, well, that's subjective. Like, <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about, mom. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, sure. Okay. But yeah, like I totally get that. Okay. I feel that. Okay. I don't know many people that also have had that. So that's, that's crazy. But yeah, same thing. Like a lot of people, I feel like, you know, had, or at least like in my town, there was a lot of people or in the primary town that I grew up in, there's a lot of people that had, not listen to as much of like the rock and country atmosphere and then getting involved in that later on but like not really even on like a huge level I, I remember hearing it from friends and stuff and wanting to like know what they were kind of talking about and get in the conversation you know mm-hmm. so you, you get involved and I, I remember not even liking hip-hop and, and rap too much I actually remember hating rap for like the longest time Right. um and like ranting about how i didn't like it and everything for no reason but i had no idea what rap was um or is but basically um so from there going into acapella and theater i think like from getting all those things in involved in my life it became a very like it became like a rock it was something that i could always go back to and mm-hmm. and like music kind of intertwined into all of the interests that I had been had been going on between, you know, between like acting, between my music work in general with chorus and things in acapella, as well as my video work, mm-hmm. and even sometimes photography in some sense, and music always intertwines. So then in your personal life and anything, music mm-hmm. intertwines with everything. And it's just, you know, I always keep coming back to it. It's something that always sort of rings true to me so when i need something to kind of root me i can always go back to music in a sense you know yeah and whether that and it's just kind of you have to go with with the flow though you know i i feel like if you know we're we're constantly growing and we're constantly expanding our knowledge and experiencing new things so we have to constantly be growing our experiences with music as well like it's always appropriate to go back and, you know, listen to your same tracks over and over that you love and stuff. But I feel like, you know, the more that you explore and get involved in different things, it just like opens up your vocabulary. Yeah. Like so much more, you know, I agree hundred percent. Is there a specific instance that you can remember where music was just such a lifeline for you, like helped you through something difficult? I can't remember anything 
hugely specific, but I know like there, there's many times where, you know, I'm probably trying to figure out something difficult in my head, like just driving, you know, you're just like doing whatever it's coming back from work. You had a tough day or something. And you're like trying to figure out how the hell you're feeling about a situation. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're listening to the radio or listening to one of your playlists or a song that you hear all the time. And like, then you just hear something in the lyrics or something in chord in the, in the song, like anything. And it just like hits you differently in that moment. Mm -hmm. And those moments are like, I feel like the most distinctive, like key moments for me that like I live for like when it comes to music, because if, because that's what it's almost like you found the definition of the song like to you you know you found where it hit you like where it hits your deepest core maybe at that moment Mm -hmm. depending on the song or just in general you know I was gonna say and it could hit you at different moments in your life like you might listen to a song when you're in one situation and then revisit it when you're in a different situation and it has a completely different meaning to you right right exactly you know like as you like, I'm sure we all have songs out there that we, we listened to when we were younger and we didn't quite understand the lyrics, but what we thought we understood about the lyrics, you know, we created our own definitions and meanings to ourselves, but we listen back now, you know, having a bit more life experience in general mm-hmm. and like you understand the song better or it has a different meaning to you. And, you know, whether it's like you respond with like disgust, like, but what, where the hell did I like this song? <laughs> or yeah. like, or it's like, oh, wow. Like this thing is even like twice as deep as, you know, I even thought it was. And it's like that much heavier of a reaction. Like those are the coolest moments. Yeah. It's like, like what you said, reliving something, but in a different way. And I could always think of like, I always think back to when I first really got into music. And for me, it was like middle school. And yeah, the way I originally got into music, well, even before that, this is going to get real personal. I was a kid's right. bop kid. Not going to lie. I admit it. I had kids bop CDs. Oh, yeah. Like, I think anyone <laughs> that was like a late 90s, early 2000s kid, you know, <laughs> kids bop was there for awesome, me. Awesome, them to be. And <laughs> like middle school, I remember having this like fake radio thing that looked like an iPod and I used to listen to it on the bus. And then that's when I like would start going on iTunes and I would just document like so many hours like on iTunes, just looking people up, listening to stuff like diving deep into like the descriptions. And then everything just kind of took off from there with like what it is today with music, with all like streaming platforms to the point where it's like I'll go on Spotify for hours. I'll watch like artist interviews. I'll read like reviews like I just do everything you know, I can to like consume it. Like Wikipedia is my best friend when it comes to like looking up facts <laughs> about music, you know, like, do you like you get that right? right? Like you're just always no, wanting no, to like good. consume something and like understand like even an artist's backstory behind a song or like anything. Right. No, I totally feel that. I totally feel that. And I, I feel like that's the best approach because we're in a world that's constantly moving now with as technologies, you know, progressing as fast as it is, you know, our, our parents didn't have the stuff that we have and couldn't communicate that we we are right now so like you gotta imagine things are gonna speed up especially in you know the entertainment business too so it's like if you really want to you know get your voice out there and you know actually do something with music too as long as that's what you want to do mm-hmm. it, it's 
it's one of those things as long as you're consuming and consuming and and you know always expanding your knowledge never settling for you know just one set of beliefs on anything or you know set of skills on any sense like i feel like if you're always adapting and and learning and changing like you'll never be behind and you'll never notice that you're behind either you know like that's the thing and you'll just keep that momentum going as long as you're learning to go back to even another question too, to kind of answer it a little bit better, you know, that's the thing, like knowledge, like if you can learn something new and expand what you already know, you know, and change your perspective on something and especially in music, like that's the biggest piece of momentum. I feel like anyone can have because, and you can, you can do that at any time and it's just constantly, constantly consuming and just Mm. filling your head with more and more knowledge and like you know I barely knew before I learned about you know the backstory of a lot of people like specifically you know the the two most famous which have a backstory that I did not believe could have ever really existed of Tupac Shakur and (laughs) Peace Falls so you know they have such a huge backstory that you know, even being such large individuals themselves in the, or being so famous at everything in general, like if you weren't paying attention the whole entire time, you wouldn't have known like half of these things, you know, you really have to kind of like look for a second. I, I at least had no idea until I actually took a second to look and you think about how many different artists out there that are doing the same thing and, you know, have their whole entire backgrounds and what they had to do to get to the place that they are and like where we are now and stuff and you know the things that they did to get to where we are so the work that you got to put in like just consuming and constantly working towards that goal getting your head in the right place mm-hmm. you know i feel like that's where it is because that's where the passion lies because if that passion dies that's yeah that's it well let me ask you what is a goal that you have with the music that you make and put out i think my goal is to do something and create something that's honest and personal to me and in a way that I can be happy showing it and sharing it with other people. And as well as, you know, listening to it on my own for myself or, you know, whatever that may be, you know, watching it, listening to it, anything, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing because if I'm at at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what kind of situation I'm in, if I'm not happy with it, then I'm not ever going to be satisfied. And that's not how I want to live. Would you say that creating music has helped your confidence? Because it seems like as we've talked about that transition that you've gone through over the course of your life, I guess you could say, would you say music is something that's helped you feel more yourself? Definitely for sure. And I think it's more, it's definitely something that's helped me you know, find my way to myself, I think, too. Mm-hmm. And being able to express myself in a way that I thought I never could and kind of was uncomfortable doing by myself, I think is something that will eventually lead to, you know, discovering more about myself and hopefully opening me up to create, you know, more and better things. I think it definitely has at least helped me expand my confidence on. You know, generally, yeah, in general, I think so, too, just because of the fact that I can create something on my own without having that environment, Mm -hmm. I think. I think that's the biggest thing. 
because you know that's not something that I've ever been able to achieve before and doing that without you know being in an environment where you have an instructor and someone literally holding your hand along the way like I think that's a that's an achievement that anyone can be proud of no matter what you know age you are something that you can accomplish and do on your own and build and grow on your own no matter what so yeah I think so yeah and have you been working on anything I gotta know I gotta know if we can do something <laughs> soon yeah I I mean I have a lot of things sitting and but that's one of the biggest things too and that's one of the reasons why I haven't released anything because because actually so I, I've been working on and I've I've recorded my first thing over three years ago mm-hmm. so I've I've had many, you know, I've had many recordings that I've made already, many songs that, you know, I've written that I've many more songs that I have written or recorded written. But it's something now where, you know, I'm realizing that one of the biggest things about artists is an an individual in a sense and where I want to go with like your question about what I want to do with my music and what I want to be able to create. And like, I want to be able to deliver a sound that's honest but has a story to tell creating that sound and and making sure that it's you know it's cohesive to who i am Mm -hmm. that's that's where i kind of need to find you know i need to find some sort of balance there because if i don't that's not sustainable Mm -hmm. and it's it's not something that you know i can be proud of in the long term and something that I think that I would ever, you know, keep working towards. So I feel very strongly about a lot of different projects that I have going at the moment. But I, I think I'm on a very close track to finding the sound that I think I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. And hopefully soon I'll have some sort of mixtape or something that I'll be releasing probably, hopefully within the next year. I'd hope, if not less <laughs> or sooner. It's all on but, your own timeline. Whenever you feel it coming, absolutely. it'll come at the right time. Right. And when it's out there, it's out there. So that's, <laughs> you know, when I put it out there, I want it to be me. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, this has been great, Jake. I really, I love hearing oh, you yeah. talk about this stuff. This is, I'm really glad you agreed to do this. But I am curious, is there any way... I can hear that throat singing thing that we talked about earlier. Just like, even if it's like a split, <laughs> a split second. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. <laughs> so like that. <laughs> I asked for a second. He gave me a full verse. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That I love that. That's awesome. And that's stuff that you picked up oh, yeah, like being yeah. an acapella and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Doing um doing acapella and everything and, and um as well as being a, a point bass and stuff, you know, learning different ways to make my voice naturally go lower. Mm-hmm. Um and finding ways, you know, to sound like more and more robotic if I was gonna, you know, do some sort of uh, vocal percussion or something. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of that um uh, like vocal percussion stuff when I was um out in um, college at Hofstra University, so that was that was my big that was my big spot for those guys. But yeah, so it's always fun. I got a lot of a lot of tricks for uh, <laughs> percussion stuff. <laughs> awesome, that's great. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna oh, yeah. have to 
record you doing that at some point and just put it on a loop so I can just... <laughs> <laughs> anytime absolutely awesome well thanks again bud wow. I appreciate it yeah thank you for having me and now it's time to take a look at what popped this week in news multiple musicians took to social media to celebrate the conviction of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin Chauvin was found guilty for the murder and manslaughter of George Floyd on Tuesday April 20th Artists of all backgrounds shared in their celebration, including Mariah Carey, LL Cool J, Leanne Rimes, and Barbara Streisand. Legendary songwriter Jim Steinman has died at 73. Steinman wrote for many highly successful albums, including Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell, Michael Jackson's Thriller, and The Eagles' Their Greatest Hits. Steinman also helped write Bonnie Tyler's 1983 number one hit, Total Eclipse of the Heart, and The Eagles' Hotel California. And Taylor Swift is the first artist to simultaneously top Billboard's country songwriters and country producers charts, both of which launched in June 2019. Swift earned her fifth week atop country songwriters and currently holds 18 spots on the chart. Swift became the first woman to top country producers as she rose from number 10 to number 1 this past week. That's going to do it for this episode. Feel free to tune in next time when we rotate through a whole new slew of topics. In the meantime, keep it real, y'all. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.